Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the GRIT Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of CSU, where we streamline and automate your real estate business, and I'm your host of the show. And today we're here with Via Williams. I got to meet Via at Spring's recent event in Mexico. And I actually met you before that at an Inman in Vegas at about midnight in the hallway. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember in the casino. Yeah, you and Ben were walking through the casino. And so anyway, at that time, Ben shared with me that you guys had just raised your $100 million at a billion dollar valuation. So congratulations on that. And I know that's public news because it's all over the internet. So otherwise I wouldn't have shared that. But uh, anyway, Via is head of industry for a place. Um, she also owns a place real estate team. And so we can talk about that a little bit. She's also the co-founder of Her Best Life, which I'd like to talk a little bit about that. And then she's also the co-host of the Empire Building podcast. And so obviously, Via, you have a lot going on in your life. So that's kind of where I want to start. I think it's hard enough for a man to have four different businesses, yet alone for a woman to do that. I know you're a mom of three kids. And so I just really want to dive into maybe a little bit more about your personal life. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit more about you. You've been on the road for the last three weeks. How do you do this? Like, how do you keep it all together? Because I think that's a challenge for everybody. And (laughs) especially, I think our listeners, a lot of them are in real estate and real estate has a lot of powerful women in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So how do you keep it together? And I think this is true for everybody. Like this is something, and, and you know, I also live with spring who, and spring is my wife and, you know, she, she has a lot going on as well with multiple businesses. So Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, thank you for having me. It is, it's an honor to be here and, you know, really interesting story, by the way, going back to that Inman where we met, I don't know if you knew this, but Ben and Chris had just gotten the news that day that the wire, that the hundred million hit the accounts and it was closed. And so they found out at Inman and it was really fascinating being there when it happened. And that was the day we met you is the day it happened. And of course we didn't announce it for a while, but that's kind of cool to know, you know, it's kind of a yeah. moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. I happened to be there at that time. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, cool. you know, I've had a few conversations with Ben, but I've never really like gotten to spend a lot of time with him. So yeah. I thought it was kind of cool that he shared that with us. And yeah. I always love to see entrepreneurs succeed and, yeah. and go to that yeah. next level. So yeah. Uh, it was it was a cool thing for me as well. 
Well, there's a lot of Ben's in my life. So what, who we're referring to is Ben Kinney, who is the co-founder and CEO of Place, which is really where I spend most of my time. My husband's name is also Ben, which is oh, kind of confusing. Okay. I know. So I, if I ever slip into, I, I tend to call Ben Kinney BK and I call husband, husband, like cave woman, like husband, uh, because <laughs> I just can no longer have the word Ben in my phone. <laughs> there's too many wrong texts that are that end up flying. So, so That's it's funny. BK and husband to me usually, but um, so I slip in and out of it. I find, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm a second generation uh, real estate agent. My dad started a company back in the seventies and it was really innovative in its time. They did builder services and sales for large builders here in Seattle, where I am. And, and we know that builders have like in-house sales departments, right? They have employees and they, you know, it's kind of a different model than general resale real estate. And my dad formed a company and they became sort of a third-party contracted in-house sales and marketing force, if that makes any sense. So builders who were kind of medium size and getting bigger, who didn't yet have in-house marketing and sales departments would hire my dad's company. And they became uh, one of the largest uh, new construction, new build development real estate firms in the nation. Uh, My brother subsequently bought it from my dad. It's still going really strong. They sold 450 homes last year here in the greater Seattle area. And they do like 400 million a year in volume. So the really large presence, it's called a team builder, but, but that is all new construction. Right. And so I just uh, had a love for general resale real estate, right? My new construction wasn't necessarily my uh, path. And so I think I always had, looking back, I think I always knew I would go into real estate, but it, it didn't start that way. I graduated from college and I sold radio advertising I worked for some builders and developers and it wasn't until I was about, I think 30 that I got into real estate. And the only reason I say that is because I think what makes my story a little different is that I look at my thirties and and I have my first kid at 30. I have my second kid at 32 and I have my third kid at 39. So I have a you can do math now. Everybody do math. I have a 21 year old and 18 year old. Those are both boys. And then I have a 12 year old girl. And so I look at my thirties and I I was just like rocking and rolling in real estate. I was, you know, making good money, but I was kind of like your neighborhood real estate agent, right? I didn't work Fridays. I, I you know, sort of volunteer in the kids' classrooms. And I was what 90% of full-time real estate agents look like. And the downturn fried us. My husband was also in real estate and it, it really fried us. We, um, we almost lost our house and you know, both of us in real estate, we were just so invested in it. We didn't have enough reserves. And even if we had have had enough reserves, I'm not sure we still probably would have been stressed, right? Because our, our transactional volume just went so far down. Mm-hmm. And so luckily we were able to sell some assets, you know, to survive, basically sell, sell a rental property and and different things. And so when we came out of that, I think it was kind of a combination of that and, and the market turning that I turned a corner. And so I was about 42, I switched brokerages, came to the brokerage I'm at now and went from being an individual agent to starting a team. And ever since then, I went from like, and that's when I met Ben Kinney, by the way. So I met Ben Kinney in 2012 and uh, he owned the office that I was in and he started coaching me within, I don't know, a couple months of meeting him. And the year I met him, I did 9 million in volume. And with him coaching me, I went to 25 million 
35, 48, 70 million within like four years. And I had a big team and was quite successful, was um, running around the country, you know, speaking, teaching all the things that we do in men, you know, all the things. And, And I was miserable. I just didn't like it. I did not care for, I wasn't good at the 17 things you have to do, be good at to run a team. You know, I, I, I wasn't good. I'm still not good at cash flow management. Even in all the businesses I run, I have to schedule time and force myself to review cash positions. You know, it's just not a natural state for me. I expense management, um, a lot of the back end organization stuff. And, you know, I think looking back, I was just, I was probably undercapitalized. My profit margin probably wasn't high enough to support the amount of staff I would have needed for my particular skill set. I would have been better off with a, a co, uh, a partner, I think, who is better at that live and learn. And so I, you know, I wasn't thriving and happy in that, although financially I was doing well. And so in 2018, I went to, you know, I just, I went up to Bellingham to meet with Ben Kinney, who was, you know, by then a super close friend and advisor and mentor. And um, I just said, I'm not happy doing this and I don't really know where to go next and what to do next. And I'm 48 years old and I'm pretty sure no one's going to hire me in corporate America, not having really, I mean, I've been self-employed forever, right? I haven't been in, in corporate America since my twenties in like 20 years, but I have this pull and this draw. I think I'd be really good in a leadership position, you know, and when I look at this? my, this was in 2018, 2018. Okay. So Ben and I must've met Brian. Oh my God. We must've met for, it was forever, like five or six months. Uh, we, we just, we met weekly we met weekly and, and that culminated in me. He just said, I really think you should run our brokerages. You know, we had six franchises at the time, about 1200 agents. And I was like, Ben, I, I haven't even run an office. How could you give me six brokerages to run? And, you know, he said, you understand the fundamentals of business really well. You're going to have staff of 50 instead of, you know, you're not going to be undercapitalized. And I think that your skill set and your influence and the people you know are going to lend itself really well to this. And I won't let you fail. I'm here for you. We're going to work together. And so I just took a leap and sunsetted my, you know, pretty lucrative real estate team. Those of us who have teams know, I mean, if nothing else, it's pretty lucrative. And I went to work for Ben as GM. I think we started off, my title was director of growth, Uh, walked us through, I figured it out a little bit. Within 18 months, I had helped us, walked us through two acquisitions and we were at eight brokerages, which is where we stand now, became the president. And we have about 1700 agents now. So we've grown about 500 uh, agents and two offices in the last three and a half years. And then my world blew up. It just blew up. I went from being a team rainmaker to, I have, I think five or six businesses that I'm actively owning or in leadership with. Right. Um, some of which we didn't even talk about in the intro, but you know, the only reason I share that is because I think that as women, what makes it different, cause you mentioned, you know, the male female thing. And I do think that it's undeniable that women have a different time frame. I mean, we have a biology, we have babies and, and that happens at a certain age. And so I didn't even start anything I'm doing till I was 42. And so I think that sometimes, you know, when I look back at age 48, I had that advocate, I had Ben, right. But a lot of women don't have that. And I just want to kind of encourage anybody listening that if you think you have the skill set and you're interested in getting into any type of leadership 
real estate, the industry as a whole needs female leaders. And I think you'd be surprised at the reaction you'll get when you raise your hand and tap somebody on the shoulder. I think you'll be surprised at the reception you'll get because I would die to have more women tapping me on the shoulder. I'm constantly right now. I just had a meeting before stepping in here. I have three leadership positions I need to hire for. And I'm just, you know, constantly lead generating, looking for leaders, right? And I mean, it would make my day if I got a phone call from someone I knew who said, hey, I'm interested in leadership, right? So I just, I think I wanted to share that because you don't have to be like between 30 and 35 or like whatever that age is, you know, to to go into it. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point to make here is so often we think the perfect age is, you know, whatever is in our mind, right? It might Mm -hmm. be. 25 to 35, maybe some people at 25 think they're way too young to start a business, but they're not, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're 25 or 55, you're, you're not too young, you're not too old to mm-hmm. start a business or to go, you know, aspire to do what you want to do as you've done, Via. So mm-hmm. anyway, thanks for sharing that. So you have even more businesses than I thought. Yeah. So, <laughs> so how do you juggle all of these? I mean, how, how, how do you do it? I mean, it's uh well, it's a challenge. <laughs> I, I know personally that can be a challenge. I know you do. Yeah. I get asked that question all the time. In fact, it's probably the number one question I get asked. I teach and speak a lot and, you know, I, we have, I have other podcasts and everything. And I think that I have a couple answers <laughs> to that. Number one is nobody does it all themselves. And you know, this is about leverage and this is about learning how to hire and, you know, utilize other people for their strengths. So I think that, you know, I always use this analogy. I think of the president of the United States, who's basically running and leading the country, right? You can lead a country even as big as the United States, but they also have hundreds of thousands of people working, you know, for them on their behalf. So Mm -hmm. the question isn't how big of a world you have or want, you can have as big of a world as you want. The answer is you have to be able to fund that big world with leverage, with people and technology. And so, because leverage is also technology. I mean, Sisu is also leverage, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, Brivity is also leverage. I mean, technology and people. Yeah. So how I know, and you know, I run my life almost like a stoplight, green light, yellow light, red light. How I know when I'm at green light is not how big I am. I will never stop growing my world. I will never stop getting bigger. When I get to yellow light, and I'm at yellow light now, full disclosure and a you know, a little moment of vulnerability, I'm at yellow light now is when I have too much on my plate that's not bringing in the revenue to fund the leverage. That's when I'm at yellow light. So as long as revenue is leading, green light is when my revenue is leading and I'm able to fund up, right, to to fund leverage. So, you know, for instance, um, I've got place, I've got brokerages, which I'm transitioning out of president of... uh, Um, of our brokerages. I've got that. I've got the team. I've got an investment company. My husband and I started an investment company late last year and we're uh, acquiring properties in different markets in the country. And that has its own unique sets of challenges. You know, we're, we're trying to get lines of credits and contractors and Whatever. Is, is this the first time you've worked with your husband or when you guys were in no, real estate we've worked. before you joined Ben, were you working together? Yeah, we've worked together. <laughs> That's its own episode. It, <laughs> right? it, um, <laughs> yeah. The side note on that is uh, we've been married 25 years. The side note on that is I think you have to be very clear about roles and jurisdictions and strengths 
And you have to have very healthy egos where, you know, you're both just super comfortable letting the other one shine. And my husband's amazing at that. He absolutely, we view this as uh, Williams Incorporated and there's just no ego behind who's the primary breadwinner, personality, behavioral styles. We just get who each other, you know, who each one of us is and and that's how we work. Right. And so, you know, I think that, I think what happens is, is that, you know, like we have this investment thing and, and then, you know, brokerages and whatever, and where I am in my life and, you know, with managing all these entities is I'm finally at the first time ever where I probably need a personal assistant to help me via um, navigate calendars and travel and all the entities. And the challenge with that is that no one entity is going to fund that. So place isn't going to pay for me to have a personal assistant. Brokerages isn't going to pay for me to have a personal assistant. My team, I I partnered with my brother, uh, Paul, who is now Paul's actually the CEO of my team, not me. The team's not going to pay for me to have a personal assistant. So I'm at a yellow light right now because um, I got to figure out how to fund my big life. Right. So I've kind of hit a little bit of a ceiling until I can figure out how to leverage some activities without driving me and my family freaking bonkers, which is mm-hmm. kind of happening. You mm-hmm. know? And my employees and coworkers, and I'm sort of like, everyone's a little bit frustrated at me right now. <laughs> okay. So I want to add to that and hopefully you're okay with this. Are you frustrated I, too? <laughs> no, no. But I saw a post, I saw a post that you posted that I loved. Oh, um, Are you okay to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're also now adding additional commitment on that around health and running two marathons. So how did this come into your world? Well, I'm not running. I'm going to walk jog them, you know. Hey, yeah. completing two marathons, which, which is a big thing. Which sounds like the most insanely horrible timing. And it's either the best timing in the world or the worst timing in the world. I don't know. But, you know, here's the thing. We cannot do it all. And my health has taken a turn trying to juggle all this. I am the heaviest and most out of shape I have been ever, ever. And so I just am wired in such a way that I knew that I needed a deadline in an event. And, and I needed to box myself in with accountability. So I did sign up with a program. I have a run coach. I have a, a nutrition coach and I have kind of two life coaches in, it's in a big group and I'm doing the Patagonian marathon in September. And then my friend Sarita invited me to do the New York city marathon with a group of people. And my husband's going to do that one. And, and that's two months later. And I thought, well, Yeah. If I'm going to, the big thing for me is the Patagonia one, to be honest, like the New York one is 60 days after that. That doesn't, that just doesn't scare me. The Patagonia one scares me. It's 20, it's actually 19 weeks away now. And I'm only on two miles. Like I have a long way to go and I've got to try to finish it before the cutoff. That's my only goal. So if you've been enjoying grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to grit. What is the date of that? September. Okay. September. I don't know. It's September or something. Okay. Yeah. So I love that you're doing that. You just gave me a little scare because you said, oh, it's 20 weeks away. And that's September. I have a spring signed us up to do a 2929, which is equivalent to climbing Mount Everest. I know that one. In 36 hours. We're doing that in August. So. Uh, oh, you do not have very long. <laughs> no. 
not to freak you no. out. So, <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to bring that up because to me, honestly, health is the number one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really easy when you have so many businesses to not focus on that. So I love seeing you prioritize that because health, like without health, you can't, you can't do any of this. Right. Well, and here, you know, yeah, Brian. And the other thing is, you know, what starts happening is, is, you know, I'm like, I don't have the stamina for my own life. Like, I'm like, I'm going to create this big life. And that takes a lot of hours and a lot of energy. And what freaked me out is I would get home and my family was getting the worst of me. They were not getting the best of me. I was leaving it all out on the court. So by the time I was rolling in at still 7 PM, you know, there wasn't a lot left. I mean, I was like, you know, to manufacture the energy to have good quality time with my kids was a challenge. And that's just not good. Right. And so I think that we don't want to, by nature, let other people down. We'll let ourselves down and not other people down. And I think that's for sure what I do. And so my health to me, like I would just, in my head, I was letting myself down. I was like, well, you know, I'm a little heavier, but I'm going to eat that thing anyway. And I'm going to get home and I'm going to comfort myself with food or whatever your deal is. What I realized is that I'm actually letting my family down more than anything because I didn't have enough energy left for the most important people in my life. Right. I was giving it to everyone else. And so I think that we say that we tell ourselves our self-talk is like, well, you know, if I let my body go or I let my health go, that's just, that's on me. But you're actually, I, I would say that your other people around you probably suffer as much as you. For sure. I I would say the best example of that is putting your mask on first when you're on an airplane, right? If you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of others. If you're not, you know, if you're not in a position to be there for, for those people around you and to lead them, like you can't do it. So anyway, I wanted to share that. And I, I love that you've made that commitment and I'm pushing myself right now to uh, to do my next thing. I just finished 75 hard and now I now I, I did that. that. So I did that a year ago and I loved it a year and a half ago. I loved it. Hated it. Loved it. Yeah. 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 I know. I tell, I committed, Hey, this is my new lifestyle. I'm going to do this every day from this point forward. And I've been really good about the exercise, but not as good about the diet. Oh, and the water. I think the water was one of the hardest parts for me. Yeah. For me, that is something I do anyway. So oh, that's good. <laughs> All right. So the last thing I want to talk about on your personal side, before we dive into some of your businesses, I'd love to just learn more about what motivates you. So for me, it's a really easy answer. It's a very internal motivation. I mean, it's, you know, I don't want to make myself sound all like I like money. I'm motivated by wealth too, but it's very, I have a really easy answer. I am motivated by reaching my full potential and it I feel like it's my lifelong quest to kind of push my limits as much as I can to hit what I can do. And in fact, it's actually turned into my, it's my life. It's my mission statement for my life is to help others reach their full potential. And I don't know where that came from. I can't put my finger on it. I can't, I cannot describe internally. I'm extraordinarily motivated and ambitious. And I, I don't know where it came from, but that's why that's what drives it. Yeah. I love it. You know, I've, I coach some of Springs to agents mm-hmm. and, uh, and I also do some work with her team leader and what I've recognized. And I've noticed this, you know, even with my own team at CSU, there are so many different ways that people are motivated, but I would say most people are actually motivated by fear, 
which to me is so strange because I'm not at all motivated by fear. Um, but, but to a lot of people, like what I've noticed is some of these agents, they would rather make sure they don't have to pay a hundred dollars to someone if they don't accomplish something by taking them out to lunch or dinner, then just be driven to make that 10,000 extra $10,000 commission by doing an extra transaction every month, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me. So I think um, you're right about that. So, you know, and then there, there are those of us like you and I who are not motivated by fear. That's completely different. I think that, I think I am sometimes, I think that to me, fear motivations, uh, short term in the short term, I get motivated by fear, but my intrinsic motivation that really, truly drives me every day is not. Yeah. Yeah. Fear can be a short-term motivator, but it's, it's not going to stay with you forever. You've got to have the passion behind what you're doing. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Agreed. So you need, you need to find something else other than fear to motivate yourselves. Yeah. So you and Ben started working together. You told us the story of that. You guys at place, maybe tell us a little bit about place because as I look at place, you guys are agnostic to brokerages, which mm-hmm. I think is amazing. I think you have a very similar vision to what I have at CSU mm-hmm. as far as just streamlining and automating people's businesses. And like you said, giving them leverage, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, tell us, tell us more about place. Cause it's a very unique model in two yeah. years, you guys got to a billion dollar valuation, which is incredible. So congratulations. Yeah. I think, you know, rather than making it sound like this is, this is what I'll say about it. I'll, I I think what's interesting about place is that all good businesses solve important problems and that's what makes them good. You know, you look at Uber, right? You look at Tesla, right? We needed a car that didn't rely on fossil fuels. That's why Tesla is so successful. You know, you look at Uber, right? It was bound to happen that that transportation had to get easier and more seamless. It was, they were good problems to solve, right? Place is in that same boat. Place is, the vision of place is, it will be the Shopify of the home. I mean, that's really the simple way to say it. So the platform upon which everything home is based. And, you know, right now where it starts really is this shop being, I think the Shopify of real estate teams. And so it's a platform, not an expansion team. It's really a platform by which teams uh, partner with so that they can accelerate their growth and streamline their growth. You know, good example is kind of what you and I talked about earlier. Now that I'm with place, I I just, it, it's like, it's such a different world. Had I have had place back when I had my real estate team, like I probably wouldn't be here talking to you. I don't know if that's good or bad, but you know, all of the things that I struggled with, you know, we, we have like 20 staff accountants. Now we have 550 employees, right? So we have like 20 staff accountants just dedicated to our real estate teams. We have a a marketing and design department of, I don't know, 30 people now. I don't even know how many, probably more. We have, uh, you know, in-house legal and human resources, all of the things that teams really, you know, struggle with, we come and partner with them and handle with them. But I think that the biggest problem, Ryan, that I see with real estate teams, especially as they get big, is that the agent attraction piece seems like it's 
They'll all tell me recruiting, most of them can attract the right agents and at least get meetings, right? Most of them, if they really put their mind to it, could recruit whatever they needed to recruit. Although that is a challenge that I hear from a lot of them that we help solve. But I think one of the biggest challenges that teams face as they're growing is getting agents into productivity, getting agents selling homes. And, you know, markets come and go and they they all look different. Like the last cycle, we're moving into the next cycle. But the last one, it was really hard on buyer's agents, very hard for newer buyer's agents to, you know, get buyers into contract, for instance. And as we go into the next iteration, it's going to be potentially cancels and expires again, you know, all the different things. So getting agents into productivity. So, you know, place has solved that problem. We have incredible agent launches and agent accountability systems. And, and all of this kind of comes alongside the team operators, our partners and works with them. So, you know, their places now I have five agents in launch right now because we, you know, my team's with place and, and then I'm with them at, you know, in our regular meetings and I'm overlaying my via-isms, you know, I'm overlaying, you know, some things we say. So the stamp of it being via real estate hasn't gone away. It's just completely, I am here talking to you. Like I am so calm, cool, and collected about my team. I have financial reviews. We have um, systems. We, we have our own dedicated staff accountant. I mean, it's just a different, I have a whole backend business services team now helping me run my team. So I truly think that a large percentage of real estate teams will end up partnering with us. I think the other thing that all of us need to be thinking about, all of us, is are we getting, you know, at least four checks for every commission? We we just can no longer think of real estate commission as our only income in real estate. So, you know, what is your mortgage, uh, you know, partnership look like? What is your title and escrow, if you're in an escrow state, partnership look like? What about insurance lines, right? All of it. And what I'm hearing and seeing um, in my role of head of industry, I tend to go talk to the bigger teams and the larger teams and the um, the big guns. But what I'm seeing is a lot of joint ventures that concern me, both for the team's revenue and for what they're giving away when they joint venture with the company that's going to go sell their loan. Mm -hmm. And in three months, their client's going to start getting messages from Rocket Mortgage, who's taken over the servicing saying, hey, Brian, do you want to use our Rocket Mortgage real estate agent? And they're selling, you know, leads back and they're they're completely losing control of their customer when they're joint venturing with these mortgage companies who are basically going to, they're going to be advertising to these customers in three or six months when they sell that loan to another right. real estate firm, right? So yeah. we're here to solve all that. We, um, all of our loans were uh, closing soon on very, very large mortgage acquisition. One of the larger ones in the nation. I can't, can't say obviously. And we are absolutely going to service all of our loans on purpose and brand our real estate agents for life with that. That's we exciting. just truly believe, it's very exciting. We truly believe that we're going to, we're here to protect and keep clients for life for all of our teams. And so, you know, I could not be more excited about place. In fact, I'll be honest, I was begging Ben and Chris last year. I'm like, I want to transition into place. And both of them are like, wait, we need you to run brokerages. Like we need you over here. And uh, and I said, I, I understand that, but it's, I can't not be there. I can't, you know, it's, it's everything. It's the future. Mm-hmm. And so we actually created this role for me. I um, proposed it to them. Ladies, listen up. 
I wrangled the two co-founders and the president of the company and uh, forced them to sit down with me and propose the role. We rewrote it, went through metrics. It was completely driven by me because I just didn't want to not be part of the movement. So, Yeah, that's awesome. So, man, you said a lot of things I know, that, sorry. that I'd like to key in on, but uh, one of the things you said that really stuck out to me, you said, you know, are you getting four checks really for every yeah. transaction? So what are the four checks that you say everyone should get for every Morgan, So, So the commission, commission, which- Your you real know, estate commission. Real estate commission, which I just want to side note, they are going down. There are, they've already gone down and I don't want to give numbers or, or anything. I don't think that's appropriate for RESPA purposes, but um, you know, most of us started our career who've been in it for a while at one number and it's, it's just gone down. We now have, you know, a big, huge lawsuit in place where, you know, there's a small, there's a chance buyer brokerage commission might go away forever. Right. So I saw saw that this week. Yeah. Nevertheless. So we have real estate commission. We have mortgage number two, we have title and, you know, West coast um, can also add title slash escrow. Right. And I also think insurance signs, I think there's more, I mean, there, there's arguably, you know, we have big ambitions, but at least those four and by insurance signs, I mean, you know, homeowners insurance, yeah. Earthquake insurance, all that. And I think that I would say I'm, I'm finding uh, three kinds of teams right now. And all I do, Brian, I mean, I am constantly meeting with teams. That's really my world, right? All different brands, all different sizes, mainly bigger teams. You, you, you and I both. We both you and I both. It's so funny. I don't, we should, we, we should, I know we should talk more on the microphone. I'll have you on my podcast. Um, I'm finding three types of teams. Um, number one, they don't have anything in place and they know they need to, and they're just for, you know, they're insecure about their knowledge of mortgage or title, mm-hmm. or they just, you know, whatever. So that's the first type of team. They all know they need to, they just don't have a place. The second type of team has, you know, anywhere from one to three core or ancillary service contracts in place, right? I'm thinking of a couple of people in my head, but when I drill down, I'm a little concerned with some of the numbers I'm hearing, you know, some of these JVs and also some of the control that they're getting or not getting. I talked to a very large team, one of our largest teams in the nation, and they were kind of explaining to me that they did this JV. It was just the wrong partner. The partner is in a completely different state and didn't understand the majority of their buyers. And it's just, it hasn't worked, right? It's just Mm -hmm. every area has certain needs and every business does. The third type of team, and really, I'm not trying to sound self-serving, I'm really not, but it's really the place teams are the only ones I'm seeing with really good contracts in place with us. I mean, no other company that I know of is literally going to own the mortgage company like we are. And so Mm. to be able to have direct partnerships and JVs with our teams, it's going to be the best. That alone is um, it's just not, it's going to be hard to exist anywhere. We're at a billion dollar valuation now. um, But that's, that's our, it's higher. And so it just takes a lot to be able to get to the point where you can acquire that. And so I think that a lot of people know they need to do this and are lacking the expertise, the contacts or the ability to discern a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, I totally agree with you. Every team should make sure that they are getting paid those four checks. Yeah, absolutely. A big part of what CSU is doing with some of the things we have going on with our client portal is uh, also allowing you to jump into the home services businesses. Mm-hmm. And 
I think you and I both know that controlling their experience end to end is really the main value there. I think so many people think of it as there's an opportunity for me to make another commission check. And it's, it's more than that. It's controlling that experience for your client. And if you can actually do that, the next step for they move into the home. Now, what, what about getting all their home services set up? Those types of things. And so those kinds of things are happening in our client portal now. Yeah. Thanks for saying that because really the birth of all of this is a consumer experience. And I shouldn't have started it with the assumption that, you know, the consumer has allowed and clear stated that they want that, that they want Mm -hmm. one-stop shopping. And, and uh, thank you for, yeah. Yeah. And there is no doubt in my mind that the realtor is the right person to control that experience end to end because they are the first person to partner with that, with that client. So you know, there've been a lot of mortgage and title companies mm-hmm. trying to do similar things and mortgage and title tech companies trying to do those types of things. Yep. And, you know, it's funny it's you should right say place. that. 1000% our president, Chris Stewart calls it, you know, it being the tip of the spear. I use that. Mm-hmm. I use it a lot. It's funny. You should say that I was at an off record uh, event, so I can't state who said this, but one of our nation's largest lenders who also has started an in-house real estate company. And they said, when a real estate agent refers a lender, and this is their, these, these are their stats in aggregate, everyone's going to have their own attachment rate stats. But they said when a, a real estate agent refers a loan officer, it's a 70% attachment rate or 70% chance that they're going to use that lender. So seven out of 10 people, a real estate agent referred to a lender will use it. Do you know what the stat is when a lender refers a real estate agent? I would say 6%. It's 10 to 15%. Okay. So, so a little bit, a little I asked you who I controls the customer, right? You, yeah. you know, to your point, it is undisputable that the real estate agent controls the customer, which is why we're going to be the Shopify of the home, because mm-hmm. we believe that consolidation has already happened at the future of real estate is teams. And so by having teams as the tip of the spear into yeah. the consumer, we believe that we can get the TAM of the whole house and the whole total available market of everything. Right. And so I couldn't agree with you more. So it's amazing how in line your place vision is with our CSU vision. Uh, We totally agree with that. So as far as teams being the future of real estate, so let's talk about that for a minute. Like, what do you see happening as this? And I think interest rates are starting to make things happen. It's starting to happen now. What do you see happening to people who are not teams, which I guess I would define that as the traditional brokerage or the solo agent? Yeah, great question. There's always going to be a place for solo agents in our business. And, you know, I don't want to, there's some phenomenal solo agents that have a really big, awesome business with sort of them and an assistant and maybe even a showing agent to help, right? I I would Mm -hmm. kind of consider that a, a solo agent. I think but that's that kind of a team too, right? Because it is have, kind of a team. They have yeah. people that they are employing right. to help them provide better True. service to their clients. I think a solo agent with an assistant. Okay, that's fair. I think you know having a full time assistant, being a solo agent, I still consider that a solo agent. But you're right. Yeah. I suppose when you start adding. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that as the market's turning right now, though, um, we're already seeing it that we're going to start seeing one of the biggest consolidations that we've seen so far, meaning agents that formerly you would not have guessed have 
you know, would have gone with teams or going to start joining with teams. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. When I was a solo agent at a, I was at a very large independent brand here in Washington state in Seattle. This was back in the day um, before I started a team. By the time I paid all my expenses and I, I did pay for some part-time help and whatever, I was making, you know, 50, 60 cents on the dollar. So in other words, I had a large, I was a 50, 60% profit margin, right? Oh, that's huge. Um, it was a solo agent. I had expenses, but you know, that's why. And I think a lot of solo agents think that they're at a 90% profit margin and they're probably not. They just are not adding up their cap or their split that they're paying to their company. They're not adding up, you know, the technology, the contract help, the, the transaction coordinators, because it comes out of their checks. So I don't think they're you know, necessarily yeah. understanding it. When I look at what my agents, you know, on average, if, if you say we're on a 50-50 split on a team, they are probably netting a very similar amount to what I was doing as an individual agent with none of the stress. Um, In some cases, you know, half, you know, a lot of the lead generation is taken care of for them and they're just in conversion mode. They also lead gen, don't get me wrong, but, you know, would they have a team around them? We have fun, they have camaraderie. I 1000% would have started on a team had I have started at an era where teams existed. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, how do I start in real estate? So I think that we're in for a consolidation like that. And I think that the level of teams I am now talking to for place is extraordinarily high, very, very high volume teams that we're talking to because their next iteration is really kind of regional or national expansion. Um, some of the largest teams in the nation we're talking to. So I think that the notion of trying to be a lone ranger in the world that we live in and, and the way we're going, it's you know, being in a team and being in a partnership is probably the best way for any of us to be successful. And I think that we're going to more and more move to that. I think COVID showed us that, you know, loneliness um, and, you know, being by ourselves just isn't, isn't necessarily what most humans want. Most of us want to partner up and thrive together. So one of the things you mentioned earlier, and thank you for that. I, I totally agree with everything you say, uh, Via, but you talked about earlier getting agents into production is mm-hmm. one of the biggest challenges. That's, I think, one of the biggest differences between a team and yeah. a solo agent going to a yeah. brokerage. I mean, I'm very close to my wife's team, obviously, and I see agents come in all the time mm-hmm. that in their first two months, they have five, six people under contract, you know? Yeah. And they're putting people under contract. I mean, they're able to do it on a team in that team environment where they're getting leads, where they have the systems, where they have accountability. They are able to get into that production at the same level as someone who's been in the business for a year if they go all in, right? If they take advantage of everything that team's providing. So as close, we see it all the time because obviously we measure that kind of stuff. But yeah. I just think it's such an unfair advantage to be, to be on a team in today's world. It really is. And, you know, and I think that, you know, then we look at all the, I think you said something interesting and good. And that is that the brokerage is probably no longer the entity to solve that problem, that per agent productivity problem. That That is now the team's role. You mm-hmm. know, we all need to be at a brokerage. It's a necessary thing for state laws. You know, we all have to hang our license somewhere and transact somewhere. They have a huge purpose. Like we need brokerages. They exist to, you know, get sued. <laughs> they, they, exist to, they exist to give us <laughs> our 
a great, no insurance. That makes me want to own a brokerage. Yeah, right. <laughs> Super fun. But they're like, you know, I think of them like the windshield. You know, they exist to protect us, to help process our contracts and everything. But it's probably time that we start being honest with ourselves and realize that that they are not the solution to our biggest business building problems. They're they're the house upon which we live, but the teams are who are going to solve, you know, most of our, you know, how do we build wealth in real estate? How do we buy invest in real estate? How do we sell two or three homes a month, right? That probably should no longer fall on the brokerage. That that probably needs to be the teams are proving that they're the entity that are really creating that. Yeah. Well said. Uh, I know we're about out of time here and I have so much more that I want to talk to you about. So we're going to have to do this again. Sometime. We'll have to do it again. And I have, I'll but, have you on mine too. So, But one of the things I just wanted you to share, maybe you could just share, take a couple of minutes and share about your women's group mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe your podcast, but really your women's group. Um, yeah. I want to know more about that. Well, thanks for asking me because that's a really important business to me. It's called Her Best Life. So uh, herbestlife.com. We started out, there's a group of 11 friends. All of us are women in real estate and we we just, our lives changed by being in a tribe together. And we decided that we had a heart to share that with other women, um, how to build tribes, how to build networks, how to wealth build, uh, it, not necessarily through real estate, but how to talk about money, um, the differences, some of the differences you and I talked about today, you know, the timing can look different from a woman's perspective because, of, you know, having babies and everything. So uh, we came up, uh, did our first event in 20, I think it was 2019. Yeah, it was 2019. It was canceled in 2020 because of COVID. And then we had our second event in 2021. And then we have our third event in Scottsdale this October. It's already sold out at 500 women. Um, And we have just started a series of subscription plans that women, you can get on our website and look at. We have Her Rich Life, which is a wealth building course. We have a net worth club now where we all track uh, a group of people track our net worths every month. We're going to come out with a couple other things. And I just really want to encourage any women, no matter what industry you're from, to check us out because we really believe that we all are better, stronger together when we amplify each other and when we kind of operate together to create bigger lives for each other. So we love it. Very powerful women. We don't sing Kumbaya. Yeah. It's not really who we are. Yeah. That's exciting. I, I remember a conversation in Mexico where you were talking about selling more tickets than you could have ever dreamed of. I think you oversold that first event without we did. trying to. So. It was crazy. The need and the demand for it. When we talk about businesses solving problems, you know you, you've created something good when you have an overwhelming demand for your service. So Yeah. So uh, how do people get a hold of you, Via? If yeah. I'm like... If they want to learn more about place or if they want to learn about being a part of the, your best life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an open book too. I I share pretty much everything via at place.com. So via is a super weird name. It's spelled V like uh, Victor. I-J-A, which is super weird. The J is like a Y. So it's V-I-J-A at place.com. Also Facebook and social, you know, all the things. Okay. So, uh, Anyway, guys, I recommend you reach out to Via. Via has been, I've only spent a little bit of time, but it's quite a bit of time in Mexico with you. And it's been really fun to get to know you. So thanks for joining me on the Grit Podcast today. Uh, It's people like you, I think, that help all of us elevate our game. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.